This podcast is proudly brought to you by Infinity Media, incubating innovative businesses in the media industry. Hi, I'm Gordon Muller. I'm the guru in the Doc and Guru podcast. Thanks for being with us. For those of you who don't know me, I've spent over 40 years in the media industry in South Africa and uh, pretty much made it my home, my life, my passion. I have other passions, unfortunately, for my sins. I'm an Arsenal supporter and a Shark supporter, so we're going to do pretty much everything on the show as it pertains to media, marketing and money, but we don't take jokes about Arsenal or the Sharks. I'm Doug Mateus, uh, the doc on the show. Uh, and again, for those of you who don't know me, I've uh, spent 30 years in, in uh, various companies in South Africa uh, running uh, different marketing functions. And the last job I had, I was privileged in, uh, enough to work with a team that took uh, the brand to the fastest growing brand in South Africa in 2018 with a 47% year-on-year growth. So that was a, a great achievement uh, for the team and, and, and I'm really proud of that. Uh, from a personal point of view, I do a little bit of cycling uh, and also snow skiing. So we quite enjoy that. But again, uh, today's discussion is around all things marketing and media. Yep, that's right, Doc. All things marketing and media. No subject too big, no topic too small, no subject too hot to handle please get in touch with us on our facebook page follow us like us whatever it takes we would love you to be involved with the show and uh, we really want to make it as inclusive and as energetic as i know this industry is capable of Morning, Doc. Good to see you in studio again. We're uh, building a bit of momentum again after quite a bit of uh, Zoom time, but live time is good. Yeah, Gordon, it is nice to be back in. It's, uh, I'm glad I caught you. I know that you're just about to pack your walking shoes and you're going off on your big hike this weekend. Yeah, it's it's the Chalk Foundation uh, charity walk up Sani Pass. I'm looking forward to that. And uh, that depends, of course, uh, whether the snow uh, clears up because it's snowing in Sani. So I'm not sure whether we're going to get up or down. But, you know, I mean, worse things in the world than... Lying at the bottom of the mountain drinking Gluvar, I should imagine. Can't There's no bad. bad weather, Gordon, just bad clothing. 100%. So you've got to get some snow gear and off you go. And speaking of bad clothing, uh, <laughs> we have got with us uh, <laughs> one of the icons of radio in South Africa. I mean, Doc, I think we're going to just hand over you and I just sit back because we've got in studio Stan Katz, who knows more about radio than you and I will know in a lifetime. But Stanley, I mean, you're looking resplendent. Uh, you know, once upon a time, uh, South Africa's most eligible bachelor. Are you still South Africa's most eligible bachelor? That was a long time ago, Gordy. <laughs> well, you're not eligible. Well, listen, no, it wasn't the most eligible bachelor. Just a point of correction. It was 1983, and Darling Magazine's readers voted me the sexiest man of the year. And the next month, they went out of business. Do you remember Darling Magazine? I do indeed, yeah. Uh, uh, but I'm, I'm still you know, trying to get my head around the image uh, of you as a South African sexiest man. I'm quite traumatized by that. I thought that was Jeremy Max. <laughs> I really, when they phoned to Tim, it was not a, a competition I entered. I need, I hasten to have. <laughs> but so when they phoned to Tim, I thought it was a friend of mine taking the piss. Yeah. And uh, anyway, it turned out, and it had a lot of advantages. 
I'll bet it did, yeah. <laughs> uh, which is, which I'm sure is why you're you're studying a law degree and graduating with a law degree probably uh, was was you know quite. Uh, well, let me just put it this fortuitous. Way. The floodgates of plenty were opened. <laughs> Excellent. And then That's in 1987, again, nothing. I had nothing to do with this, and I was voted South Africa's most elegant man. I was anything but. The reason I was probably voted because the magazines that were involved and the various sponsors, I was quite high profile. So they thought, well, let's get a high profile figure and we can hang a whole lot of things on this. After that, I had to, I went out of my way to be elegant, which was very difficult for me considering I had socks with holes in them. Well, you're very elegant today and I have to say that. Now, I think you know, part of your elegance, I guess, I mean, part of your your, your fame came from the the original Sun City commercial. I've suddenly realized that was where you came swaying across. No, it wasn't you swaying across the bridge, was it, uh, Stan? You had something else. You just Did you emerge topless from a swimming pool or something like that? No, not, <laughs> I, it's quite possible. There's a lot of things I don't remember. <laughs> but I, I actually, uh, I, was, I worked for Gray Phillips at the time. I wrote the commercials, I produced them, and I voiced them. So that was a nice gig. Yeah, that was We Will Rock You. We Will, We Will Rock You. I, I think it was the first really big locally produced yeah, uh, yes. TV uh, you know, sort of commercial that kind of blew everyone's socks off. Nobody had seen anything like that before. I mean, yeah. Did you ever work with, have the pleasure of working with uh, Sol Kersner? I didn't, but his, you know, his, uh, his, his placid tones and, and his gentle, <laughs> gentle manner, his urbane reserve is, is legendary, of course. His urbane reserved philosophical manner. <laughs> <laughs> I once presented an ad to him. Um, I, there were many occasions, but he was the most difficult person to ever work with. I learned a lot from him and applied it. In my own career, when I was heading up an organization, I presented him with a print ad that I'd written, and Ian Blake had uh, mm. done the artwork, uh, the art direction. He stared at it for what felt like an hour. It was probably about 30 or 40 seconds. And he says to me, that's not worth a ball of fucking shit. Pardon the language, but I'm quoting directly. Yeah, yeah. this is advertising land, so we're allowed to to speak like this. I'll you put it in quotes. <laughs> Please do. Yeah. Just then, uh, one of the booking clerks from the, uh, uh, the the booking area comes past. He calls her and says to her, "What do you think of this crap?" <laughs> well, I mean, I'm, I'm all in favour of research myself. Yeah. You know, I think research is important. That yeah. was the extent of the man's research. Yeah, yeah. But you know, we asked you uh, to send us a little bit of a CV as a backdrop uh, for a, a long and illustrious career, and, and I noticed on page 473 of the abbreviated <laughs> CV that you graduated from Wits with a law degree. How the no, hell did B you go from law? Bcom law. I didn't okay. do the LLB. I was going to do the LLB. And then my brother, who's 10 years older than me, was my hero growing up, mm. had started a business selling uh, motivation and sales training tapes and convinced me to join him in the business. Now, this is, um, I mentioned this for a very good reason, because it has a direct bearing on how I got into radio. Mm. Uh, I soaked my brain with the material. Uh, there were authors like Napoleon Hill, whose famous book was Think and Grow Rich, that thoughts are things, everything starts with a thought, and if you have the desire and the belief, you will achieve it. In fact, the very words were, 
anything the mind can conceive and believe it can achieve. Anyway, the business folded after a year. We had lived it up. We thought if we want to be successful, we need to portray mm. success. So we all drove fancy cars, and I stayed in a uh, fancy executive apartment, but we blew out of business. And I was at a loss. I was 22. I thought, what do I want to do with my life now? And I was listening to a radio, Swazi radio. And in fact, one of the songs that... Uh, was instrumental in me wanting to be on radio was the Doobie Brothers Listen to the Music. I'd never heard anything like that on radio in South Africa and I thought to myself, I might have been slightly inebriated <laughs> but I thought to myself, that's what I want to do. I was, it was always about the music for me. I'm a frustrated rock star um, I, uh, I wanted to be a musician, and it occurred to me that there are quicker ways to starve, but if I could be on radio, I could be close to the music, and who knows, I could become rich and famous. Actually, I never even thought of that. I thought, what could be better than playing the music you love and talking shit? Yeah. Yeah. And so I managed to get an appointment to uh, at Swazi Radio uh, for a job interview. I arrived there, there are three executives, the general manager, the finance manager, and I don't know who the other King guy Sabuza, the, the, the third, no, I think no, it was. No, 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 no. Kingston no, Sorty's no, no, father, no? Oh, no, no, that, that was, <laughs> that, that didn't feature yet. What did feature was, uh, who was the guy from Botswana? Botswana, Mangopi. Oh, okay, Mr. Well, yeah, okay. Yeah, but we're getting ahead of ourselves. Um, so I go in there, I pour forth the torrent of my inspiration, and I inform them that I would like to be a disc jockey. Now, picture this. I'm wearing a suit that I, I was 22, wearing a suit that I'd last worn at my bar mitzvah. It was probably, <laughs> <laughs> it was five sizes too small. I had an Afro hairstyle, which I'd gelled down so I would look respectable. <laughs> I probably looked like, looked a sight. Anyway, they tell me they're not looking for disc jockeys. What do I know about programming? So I say, well, if you tell me what programming is, I'll tell you what I know about it. <laughs> and they said, uh, well, thanks for coming to see us. <laughs> we appreciate it. And as I'm walking to the door, I thought, I've just missed the opportunity of a lifetime. I turned around and I said, I've got to be calm. And I was hired in admin. I was an administrative assistant, not an administrative assistant, the administrative <laughs> assistant. Right, right. Rank, rank is important, Stan. <laughs> and uh, man, it was the best thing that could have happened to me. I, I learned four things which are still valid, and I would share this with any of your listeners. Um, the Katz's Laws of Success. It applied to radio in my case, but I think it applies to anyone in any business. Always volunteer. Mm. Don't take no for an answer. Don't expect it to work. And don't expect thanks. And that has stood me in good stead. Well, that was, it's interesting that we've had that convergence of insight because I think that was the technique I applied to 
to at my matric dance. So I'll get somebody <laughs> to go with me, Stan. It's amazing. We arrived at the <laughs> same. Didn't take no for an answer. Didn't take no. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, these days, no means no. I, I, I believe so. Anyway, but <laughs> yeah. So, so from from that, I mean, obviously, most well known in in your sort of days with Seven O Two. Um, I, I've tried to remember some of the shows. I think the morning, the morning zoo was morning one. But zoo. I mean, tell us a bit about about the, about the early fledgling involvement with Seven O Two, because that was really where you you know sort of uh, you climbed the you know the throne, so to speak, of of radio fame. Well, it actually started at Swazi uh, Swazi Radio, which I renamed Swazi Music Radio. I was the administrative assistant. They hired Burks, John Burks as the program manager and I asked for a transfer to the programming department which was granted and I landed up working with John and we became firm friends. Now um, in order to make myself useful or indispensable I used to compile a pop news bulletin and give it to the jocks to read. Pop news in those days I would find old magazines up to a month or more mm. old yeah. and just write get all like yeah. Alton John has split type of thing and give it to them to read. I gave Burks his to read one day and he said, read it. Now, prior to this, I'd been bombarding them with audition tapes. Mm. Mm. Uh, every time there was a vacancy, I'd be there with my, clutching my audition tape in my mm. sweaty little hand mm. and they'd hired Gary Edwards then I'd be the next uh, vacancy would come up. I'd be there with my little audition tape. They'd hired Daryl Euster, professional, superb broadcasters. Mm. And Burke says to me that day I hand him this thing to read. He says, "Read it." And the first thing, I thought I was going to have a heart attack. <laughs> I could, you could hear my knees knocking. I was so nervous. And my first inclination was, "No, don't do it. Turn it down." put some more practice in, but I thought this was the opportunity. And I read it terribly. Um, but after that, I was reading all the news bulletins and eventually they gave me my own show. And Burks had made me music director because of my love of music, my involvement with music. And your BCom, obviously. <laughs> my BCom got me the job. <laughs> so uh, he... Uh, I'm music director. He makes me music director. I'm then in, informed one day that they've hired Groover Wayne from Australia as music director. And I thought, wait, hold on. One cotton picking corn, chucking chicken, plucking minute. <laughs> I'm the music director. But he was a highly experienced guy. I became assistant music director. Again, first inclination is huff out of there because they've taken, they've demoted me. Yeah. And then I thought, hang on a second. I will not only know what I know, but by the time I'm finished, I will know what he knows. And I learned an amazing amount. Um, <clears throat> I, I learned the ins and outs of Top 40 Radio. Mm. Top 40 Radio is you play the Top 40 hits in rotation. And then, but this guy had a blowtorch personality. He and Burks clashed. This was a guy, Groover Wayne, who would brighten up a room when he walks out. <laughs> but I learned from him, and he was fired. And Burks huffed off, he, not because of that, but 
he he got it into his bonnet that this wasn't working for him. I begged him to stay, but he was adamant he left. I went from assistant music director to music director to acting program manager to program manager, all in the space of a year or two. And then I was ready for the general manager's position. So I wrote a long report. The Kirsch's owned the station. That's right. He said, forgotten the Kirsch so connection there. That's right. Big. That's the, right. The Kirsch's were big and swans. Correct. Yeah. So uh, I wrote a long report on what was wrong with the station, why the um, incumbent station manager was useless at what he was doing, <laughs> why I, in my humble opinion, thought that I would do a better job, and I submitted my report to them. So I'm on, I'm on in the studio taping my show. Everything was taped in Johannesburg, flown to Swaziland, and broadcast from there. It was real bush radio. It was mm. pirate mm. radio. Mm. And so the general manager, I won't mention names because I don't want to involve Bellotto. So <laughs> he, I'm busy taping my show. He sticks his head around the door and he says, can I see you, please? I said, Bill, I'm busy. I'll see you after this. He said, no, I need to see you now. So he says to me, I believe you're not happy with the way I'm running the station. So I said, that's right, Bill, and I plan to resign. I mean, I saw the axe coming. What was I going to say? Yeah. <laughs> Trying to talk my way out of it. When they'd given him this whole report, sure. yeah. this damning report yeah. on his abilities. So he, I, I said, I plan to resign. He said, when? I said, at the end of the month. He said, that won't be necessary. You can leave now. <laughs> <laughs> I was out. Yeah. yeah. And got a job in... Uh, SABC hired me to do a couple of shows on Five, uh, a couple of shows on um, the English service as it was mm. in those days. And uh, I, I didn't know what to do with my life. I was dis distraught, by the way. Yeah. Uh, I was doing what I loved to do. I was in my element. I liked the people. I liked the job. And I was out through nobody's fault but my own. Mm. I'm not a political person. I don't have a political bone in my body. I do not work well in, a cor in corporate politics. Anyway, so I did a concert at Ellis Park, a rock concert. I had eight of the top groups at the time. And <clears throat> I landed up managing one of them, the Band of Gypsies. And then I could no longer get them a job. So I managed to get a job at J. Walter Thompson as a junior copywriter. I wanted to be close to radio, and I thought the closest I could get at the time mm, mm. was in advertising. Mm. Also, I liked the people in advertising. I liked the creative environment, and I liked to party like there is no tomorrow. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and I think that's, you know, and the, I mean, Many of us had the same, a similar route. It was it like the inscription on the bottom of the you know, Statue of Liberty, bring me your sick, your wounded, your huddled masses. Yes. And that was a, a refuge for everybody. Who had, like myself, I was a school teacher and, and ended up completely uh, in, in, a, in an area where I had no intention at any stage of my life to be in advertising. So that part of it resonates with me. You're listening to The Dark and the Guru, proudly brought to you by Infinity Media. And also what re I'm sure resonates is that it was a fun industry to be in at Absolutely. the time. I mean, 
we worked hard and we played hard. Mm. We would leave for lunch at 12 o'clock or half past 11 and come back at four if we came back at all. Mm. But we met our deadlines yep. and we produced good work and yep. there was a lot of respect for creative people. Mm. Yep, yep, yep. Um, so I, I was kind of rushing out at lunchtime, doing the show on the SABC English service and rushing back to the agency. And then I got offered a job in America by a person I'd met at a radio convention, Paul Ward, and uh, one of the most experienced radio people in the world. Um, he said, um, how are we doing for time? I, Got to stop rambling. No, no, you're doing great. Uh, that's fine. It's uh, sure. Yeah, just it's just that your watch is on the other wrist. Yeah? <laughs> okay, there we go. That's it. that'll that'll help. Okay, there we go. Just uh, b before you go on, Stan, just Gordon. Uh, I mean, it's such an interesting chat and such a great story with so many lessons in it. So you know, if we go on, we can maybe break it into two episodes. You know what I mean? A and a B, and then we see how we go from. No, there. I think so. Yeah. You know, I mean, and just you know, to our listeners out there, what we're going to be throwing forward to now is you know, Stan. After all this, um, is going back on air, and he's going to host his own show on High FM starting on the 14th of August. So we'll we'll cover that off uh, uh, in a moment. But so it was. I know that your your time in the USA really informed a lot of your view of radio, and and music radio was what we were used to. We all grew up listening to Burks, Yuckle, Stuckle, Lekka Lekka Lex, and all that kind of oh, stuff. Burks was my hero. What, as he was for all of us. Before yeah. I landed up working with him and then in time became his boss, he was my hero. And yeah. I love the man. I mean, we became firm friends. Yeah. I was, during his recent illness before he passed away, I visited him several times and I was just distraught at yeah. what this amazing, huge talent, yeah. what had become. It, yeah. it was just no, look, the legacy is there, and I think that's what we're all going to fondly remember. But it was your trip in the in the, in yeah, the states me. that shifted your 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 lens, and you were the first guy to move beyond uh, radio as a regional uh, kind of option. I mean, yes. the whole talk thing was was revolutionary at that time. We'll get to that, but uh, so I get offered. Uh, Paul Ward says to me, we'd met at. <clears throat> um, at a convention, I think it was in San Francisco, he was programming uh, one of the top radio stations in San Francisco, KFRC. And we became firm friends. He, he, how I met him, it was so interesting. Um, I had paid for myself to go, I was working for Radio 5 part-time. Mm. Uh, I needed to have a radio station that I was representing, so I paid for myself. I went there and I had Stan Katz, Radio 5 South Africa, and this big tall guy comes up to me and he says tell me about Springbok tell me about Springbok radio and anyway he said me and uh, Steve are going up to the room to smoke a bit of weed you wouldn't join us so uh, Steve was Steve Marshall the story consultant for WKRP in Cincinnati I don't know if you remember yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, it was amazing yeah, yeah. we became firm friends as well he had the best job in the world yeah, yeah. And a lot of, incidentally, a lot of those uh, episodes on WKRP actually actually happened. Like, for <laughs> example, the uh, Thanksgiving uh, turkey drop, where they, from a helicopter, the radio station <laughs> was dropping turkeys <laughs> into the parking lot. And 
not realizing that turkeys don't fly. <laughs> no, not these well, things, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> these things were dropping, yeah. splattering on the parking lot, hitting cars and breaking <laughs> windscreen. <laughs> anyway, so I, I digress. Digression so, is good, Stan. This is the digression show. You may digress <laughs> as much as you want. So anyway, so Paul says uh, he's now working for Wolfman Jack. Wolfman Jack was the biggest name in radio and television in uh, America at the time. Wolfman Jack, uh, Paul would, uh, was walk, working then at uh, Boston. Wolfman Jack came there to do a promotion and offered Paul a job, which I urged him to take, and he did. And then he offered me a job. He said, come work for the Wolfman. So I said, well, cool. What's involved? He said, well, come for the interview, and I'm sure you'll do well. So I packed up everything. Um, I wasn't coming home. That's how determined I was to get the job. Now, Wolfman Jack had a syndicated show, syndicated worldwide. It was on American Forces Network. It was all over America. And I said, well, look, as long as I'm coming across, let me see if I can place the Wolfman show in South Africa. I said, how much do I charge? I said, well, the top rate we're getting is $150 a week. Capital Radio was just starting in uh, South Africa, mm. out in Port, at Port St. John's. I flew over to, to meet with them, and uh, I said, I've got a show that you guys have to carry. And uh, I played them the demo. And they said, this is amazing. It was the Wolfman Jack disco show. He had several shows, the oldest show, Graffiti Gold, it was called. I don't know if you ever saw American Graffiti. Yep. yep. Wolfman Jack mm -hmm. played himself in, yes. that, in that movie. So uh, I go there and they say, how much? I said, 150. I said, that's for nothing. <laughs> that's for nothing. Again, I see my life flashing before my eyes. I see all this money I'm leaving on the table. <laughs> yeah. So I say that's, uh, I, I'd learned to think on my feet. Um, so I said, that's per hour. And it's a three-hour show. So I said, hang on a second, that's $450. So I'll tell you what, take it for $350 and I'll square it away with uh, the Wolfman back in Los Angeles. <laughs> so they said, that's the BCom degree again kicking in, Stan. <laughs> it has stood, it has stood me in good stead. So then they said, okay. I said, one thing though, it has to be for a year. So that, that's cool. And I said, paid in advance. I arrived for my job interview with a check for $18,000. Yeah. Do you think I got the gig? Yeah, well done. <laughs> I was determined. Yeah. And I, I worked with, so Audio Stimulation was the Wolfman syndication company. Also syndicated a bunch of other top radio personalities, Charlie Tuner, uh, people we wouldn't have heard of in this country, Charlie Tuner, Hudson and Harrigan. And... Uh, I was working with these guys, the top people in America, and I learned one of the, my best lessons and something I would urge anybody in radio in this country to do, prep your show, prepare your show. These guys would spend a day preparing a three-hour show. Wolfman had two writers who sat with him in the studio. They'd each written one-liners for him, and they'd hand it to him, and he, if he used a line, he'd tick it, 
and pay five dollars for every line he used. Mm -hmm. And if you happen to be one of the, the writer of that line, you'd get yeah. five dollars. Sure. I learned that, and um, I also learned that it's real. This is a business. It's not fun and games. I mean, it is fun and mm -hmm. games. And my, my motto has always been: if it ain't fun, it ain't happening. When I was running 702, I would get notes from people saying, are we having fun yet? <laughs> <laughs> but I see where we've gone wrong with our show, Doc. I mean, Stan's talking about spending a whole day prepping your show. We tend to spend a day, you know, correcting the show that we, we didn't prep for on, on, on the first day. So that's, we're getting it wrong, Stan. I can, I'm going to fix that going forward. Yeah. So now i was working in america without a green card now if you get caught working without a green card you're in trouble i had um an immigration lawyer who actually was an ex-south african working on my uh, change of status to get a green card which is permanent residency and my green card was coming up and he said you're going to have to be interviewed if they ask have you been working because the question does mm, arise mm, and if mm. you lie you perjure yourself mm. and you jeopardize your chances of ever getting citizenship said so if you're out of the country the question doesn't arise mm. so do, go back to south africa for a couple of months yeah. wait for the interview to happen then come back mm. and it took longer than i thought so um, the friends that I'd worked with at JWT were now working at Gray Phillips. <laughs> that whole bunch just moved. Moved across, yeah. Moved across. Do you remember that? Well, Daryl Phillipson was such a driving force in you those. That was, that was the epicenter of creativity in it the was. industry. Gray Phillips, Bunton, Mundell, and Blake, Blake, I think it was, yeah. What are they sometimes called? Gray Phillips, Blunder, Muddle, and Fake? <laughs> <laughs> no, they really were the epicenter. Yeah, they were. No, absolutely. They refused to enter the Luries because they said, we're not going to have these people judging our creativity. Yeah, yeah, Eventually, sure. of course, they yeah. they changed their minds. So I got offered a job at Gray Phillips um, as a writer, senior copywriter, and then uh, I became creative director in charge of radio and TV. 702 was just starting. This was 1980. And uh, lo and behold, talk about if it wasn't for bad luck, I wouldn't have any luck at all. Yeah. The guy who fired me from Swazi Radio because I wanted his job was now running 702. <laughs> okay, that's so, right. Piecing, I'm piecing it together in my mind. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. I was remembering so, it all now, yeah. So uh, he, uh, they knew of my experience uh, in the States, so they would have been crazy not to hire me. They realized they, it was in their best interest to hire me because of my experience. Mm. So they gave me the graveyard shift. Sunday night, 10 after Casey Kasem. Remember Casey? Casey, the hit, hit parade, yep. Hit parade. Yep. The top 40, Casey Kasem's yep. top yep. 40. So that, that ran and finished at about 10. I would then take over till midnight. But I was allowed to play my own music, which was a big inducement. And uh, the show started developing a following because, again, people were hearing music they had not been hearing on, uh, on, on, uh, on radio in this country. So 
This went on, and then they offered me um, afternoon drive, which was the Stan Katz Good Time Low Down Rock and Roll Radio Show, as uh, <laughs> yeah, kind of rolls, rolls off, off the tongue. <laughs> Everybody would get it wrong, but uh, and that that did well. I went to Gray for I was so happy at Gray. I was in an environment that I loved, creative environment. Mm-hmm crazy people, creative people, and doing great work and having having fun. Yeah. So I went to uh, Bunton, uh, and uh, he became one of my mentors as well. I, I really, another guy I loved so much because of uh, what I learned from him. He was a mentor. I, one thing I learned from him was choice is pain. And choice is paid. So he, I said, listen, I've been offered this job mm. doing four to seven on radio and I'd like to take it, but I don't want to give up this. And obviously in advertising, the day doesn't end at four o'clock or it would have been half past three for me to get yeah. across town. Mm. And they said, can't get, it doesn't work like that. I agonized mm. for weeks or months about whether to take the radio show or give it up and do stay where I was happy. And eventually I decided I was going to take the radio show, which was only a couple of hours a day. I started doing freelance copywriting. That turned into Marcus Katz Michael, Mm -hmm. our own little agency. And then they offered me, 702 offered me the job of uh, doing afternoon drive, but uh, sales and marketing director. And then I discovered I actually loved the business end of things more than I enjoyed being on air. Being on air is hard. If you're doing it properly, it's, it takes effort. It's, it's hard work. But I, enjoyed, I enjoyed doing the prep, mm. but when... And then I rapidly became, this was uh, 85, by 87 I was a managing director of uh, 702 and I was doing the morning zoo. So, I mean, I was stand the man and mm. stand the manager, mm. which became very difficult. Um, so I gave up my on-air show and focused on on the business end of things and I think what changed it and what had an impact on radio generally in South Africa and I hope this doesn't sound arrogant but I went around and I asked everybody in the organization well not everybody all, all the, the the main people in the station what business are we in because I realized that if this thing's going to succeed it has to be run as a business mm. I got answers like, uh, we're in the broadcasting business, we're in the news business. Some people even thought we were in the music business. Mm. And then I said, well, where does the money come from? And they said, well, that's easy, it comes from advertising. Mm. So I came up with a slogan, we're in the business of delivering prospects to advertisers. And I would say this even to listeners, that our job yeah. mm. is to get it is to sell you to advertisers yeah. but yeah. we're going to give you a hell of a great ride mm. 
in yeah. the process. So that, that particular mantra I know has informed your book and to our listeners out there, we've got a couple of copies of Stan's book here, uh, which is Radio Advertising and Sound Investment, 10 Key Principles for Maximizing Return. And I know that… Also uh, rolls off the tongue. Well, you <laughs> rolled off my false teeth there uh, rather <laughs> badly, I thought, but… But I know that's a mantra that, that permeates this yeah. book. It's one of the key thoughts that's have driven your interface. Uh, and I know you've been training in Africa. We'll talk about that in a moment. Yeah. But let's, let's get back to that. Thanks for joining us on the Doc and Guru podcast for part one of the life and times of Radio Icon and MTN Radio Awards Hall of Famer Stan Katz. Please join us next week when we talk about Stan the Man and his new radio show starting on High FM. And remember... If it ain't happy, it ain't happening. And so that was another episode of The Doc and the Guru. Please don't uh, forget to get hold of us on Facebook, like us, follow us, uh, subscribe to the podcast. And then from my side, you can get hold of me on LinkedIn, Dr. Doug Mateus. I'm uh, very active and very keen to hear about your views uh, and certainly will respond. And hopefully we can bring that into the show. Thanks, Doc. And it's uh, Gordon Muller, the guru, signing off. Thank you for being with us and listening into this podcast today. You can pick up the discussion with me on my Twitter handle, at Mzanzi Media. And I'd love to engage with you on any of the issues that we've taken on in the show. And take us at our word. This is really going to be an open forum. There are no subjects that are taboo. And we'd love to have some of the younger, more under-listened, if that's the correct phrase, uh, voices to join us uh, in this discussion. Thanks for your time. The Dark and the Guru, proudly brought to you by Infinity Media, incubating innovative businesses in the media industry.